This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Stretch out your hands towards these prayer cloths. We'll be giving them to you for those who require personal ministry at the end. But I believe for faith to be released now, anointing to be released now, into these cloths as a point of contact for your faith and for God to connect or for those that you will give it to. And uh, we believe God for miracles. Lord God, thank you right now as we unite our hearts and our faith together as one. We ask, O oh God, that the anointing that flowed in the Apostle Paul when they brought cloths and aprons to him and were laid upon the sick and those that were demon-possessed, that they were healed and set free. We believe for the same kind of transference tonight, O oh God, that the anointing such as I have, I give to Thee. God, that that which I have, which I've received, which has flowed into me for these years, would be imparted and released in signs, wonders, and miracles, deliverance, and breakthroughs in people's lives and for those that they would give it to, O oh God, as well. And so we ask for this in the mighty name of Jesus and the saints of God said, Amen. praise the Lord. Um, I want to get straight into the Word of God tonight that uh, I, I want to um, probably share for about 40, 45 minutes at the most and then minister to you what God has laid upon my heart in the subject of reset, reset. Uh, the first thing that I want to, to state is that I believe reset is taking place in two, two dimensions. The one dimension is in the corporate gathering called the church, the people of the kingdom, the people of God. There is a reset that is taking place, and I'll get into some of that detail in a few minutes, um, but there is a corporate reset that is needed for the church. The church, if we keep doing the same thing in the same way, we'll get the same results. And the fact of the matter is that our world needs a great revival, a great move of God, an outpouring of the Spirit, but it's got to start in God's house. It's got to start in us. It's not going to reach the world unless it's reached through us. We become His voice, His hands, His vehicle for the release of His power. And so there is a shift that is needed, as Pastor Rob was sharing. There is a shift that is needed or a reset that is needed. And we have to get back to the, to the blueprint that God gave Jesus to give to us. And that was to go into all the world and make disciples to baptize them and to teach them all things that He commanded us. And so that commission is our mission. We have to get back to that. Just like Moses was given the blueprint to build the tabernacle, so the church is to be built through frontline evangelism and through discipleship. Just like the construction was an exact model, the dimensions to the intricate details, the Holy Spirit is giving us intricate details and strategies to win this generation, and we've got to get back to the blueprint. 
So the first dimension of reset is taking place in the corporate expression called the church. The second reset is taking place in our lives as individuals. For you physically, spiritually, relationally, uh, socially, financially, uh, but with particular focus on the reawakening of the vision and the ministry that God has given to you. Uh, if you find yourself in that place where you've become a spectator and you attend church, it's not that you are violating the Word of God, you are not living in sin, but you are not engaged in the work of the ministry. You need a shift to take you from spectatorship to participant, where you become an integral part of what God wants to do in the earth today. There's got to be that shift. Uh, I believe that shift includes you being discipled or mentored, and then you becoming a disciple maker, that each one of us would have influence in someone's life to lead them to Christ and then to disciple them into uh, the Word of God and to bring them and assimilate them in the life of the local church where they can grow, mature, and flourish and be a part of what God wants to do. These two dimensions, there's another way of looking at the two dimensions. The, the, the first is that there are those that come to Jesus because of what He can do for them. And like I said last night, God is good, God is great, God is merciful, God is love, and He desires to touch, heal, and change lives. He wants to help people in their crisis. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. And just like the multitudes followed Jesus so that they could eat what He could provide and get His healing and His deliverance, but not everyone that followed Him for the miracle followed Him as a disciple. And I think there are in the church, there are those that come to Him because they want to avoid hell and make heaven. They want His touch upon their lives, but they don't ever become a part of the team. We need a shift from being part of the crowd to becoming a part of the team. If you find yourself standing on the outskirts looking in, waiting for the touch and the provision of God, but you're not involved in the work of God, there is a reset that needs to take place in your life. That reset is to take you from being a, a spectator and a waiter for what God can do for you into part of His team. Just like Jesus spoke to the disciples, He gave them the culture of the kingdom. He didn't give that to the multitude. He shared the purpose for His coming, not with the multitude, but with His disciples. The multitude got their miracles, they got their healing, but the disciples got His heartbeat and they got His vision. If you don't have the heartbeat and the vision of Jesus today, you need a reset. If you've lost the vision and you've lost the heartbeat that once was so strong in you, you need a reset to bring you back to that first love. You need that reset. Just like the, the, the Apostle John brought challenge from the Lord Himself to the church, calling them back to their first love. There are many Christians today 
who have lost their first love. There was a time that they were in the Word. There was a time when they were in prayer. There was a time when they were sharing their testimony. They were not embarrassed. They were not ashamed of the gospel. But something happened along the way. You were tempted. You were lured away. You were lulled into sleep. And you've lost that first love. You need a reset to get back to the call of God, to become part of the discipleship team that walks and is taught and is shaped and is molded and commissioned by Jesus. This reset that is taking place is um, both personal and corporate, and they can run simultaneously while we are being reset corporately. You can be reset individually. It's taking place at the same time. But if what's happening corporately doesn't apply to you, there is a reset for you that is personal. You can embrace that reset tonight. Most resets, and when I use the word reset, I use renewal, restoration, revival. They are all just similar descriptions of the same thing, a fresh work of God in our lives. Most resets take place in a time of desperation. Go with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah. I think you say it slightly differently to Isaiah. You would say Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 to 21. And he says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the fields will honor me, the jackals and the ostrich, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise." Notice that this reset was promised to them where? It was when they were in the desert, in the dry place. And He promises, he promises to not only bring them out, but to bring them out beyond where they were before. He said, I will do a new thing. Something that they had never yet experienced in their lives. He wasn't just going to give them a reset to take them back to where they used to be. He was going to take them beyond where they used to be. Hallelujah. The word reset means to set again like a broken limb. You would reset it. But it can also mean to set again differently. Not just set again the way it was, but to set it again differently. It can mean to adjust or to fix in a new and a different way. And so we see that this reset, I believe for us, is very much like He promises in Isaiah 43, where we're not just going to be reset to where we used to be in 1970 or in 1980, but He's going to give us a reset that will take us back to the blueprint the original plan. Every one of us wants to experience Book of Acts living. 
I believe it is possible that in our generation we can say, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have I give unto you. And there will be a release of great power, just as it was for Peter and John on that day at the gate called Beautiful, that people can again walk in that kind of authority and power and see a great demonstration of God's love being poured out, 3,000 saved, 5,000 saved, multitudes being added to the church daily. I believe it is possible in our generation. So we need a reset to not only take us back to what we had, but an improvement that we have possibly never yet experienced. I have been blessed in my life and ministry. I have been the product of many revivals and awakenings and have lived in that kind of a flow. And I've tasted of those dimensions. But what I see is of much greater impact than of past moves and renewals and revivals that I've experienced through these 46 years of ministry. I was saved in the Jesus people, went through the charismatic renewal, and then went into the mission field and saw great demonstrations of God's power and supernatural provision and protection. And then coming to America, walking in that new wine, that outpouring of God's power with joy and manifestations of the Spirit. But I believe this that God wants to do in our generation, this reset, it's like a new thing. It's not been experienced in our generation before. It's beyond what we've seen. I has not seen or ear heard. And yet in our hearts we have a revelation. We can see it because God is preparing our hearts for what He wants to do. And that reset starts with us, the people of God. Go with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Ezekiel 37. I won't have time to read it all, but I want you to have it there, whether you're at home or in the audience tonight. I want you to see that there is a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And he starts and he says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Notice that there was a man positioned and ready that would not only see the reset that was going to be given to the nation, but was a part of the reset. And so I spoke about three dimen- uh, two dimensions, the first being the, the corporate dimension and then the personal dimension. There is actually a third dimension, and that is for those that would be the vehicle for the reset. Not everyone needs a reset. Some of us are a part of what the reset will be. We are the vehicles that will be a part of that reset. I believe my life is like Ezekiel. I am in this series prophesying to the dry bones. I am the vehicle for the reset. You can be the vehicle for the reset. The prophet didn't need a reset, but he was a vessel for the reset. 
He was already positioned. He was walking in the presence of God. He was expectant of God. God didn't just pick him out because there was no one. uh, He was all he had. This was a prophet that was seeking God. His heart was turned towards God. God had already used him on multiple previous occasions. He was positioned. He was prepared. And I want to encourage you tonight to be like the prophet, to be positioned and to be prepared to be not only the recipient of a reset, but to be the vessel that God will use to release the reset. So we've got those that will be reset corporately, and we've got those that will be reset personally, and then we've got a third dimension, and that is those who are the vehicle that God will use for the reset. Just like when uh, um, Israel was captive in Egypt, there was a man, Moses. Moses had an encounter with God. In that encounter, he was what? Reset back to his destiny. Then he became a vehicle of the reset for the corporate, for the nation. And so God always has a man or a woman that he's going to use. Sometimes we are positioned and ready, and then like Moses, we may need that encounter to be reset so that we can release the reset. I don't know where you are tonight at home. I don't know where you are tonight in this place. But possibly you need the reset to be the vessel to reset. If that's you, open your heart tonight and say, God, I want to be like Ezekiel, positioned and ready so that the hand of the Lord can come upon me and then bring me out in the Spirit and show me what needs to be done. I'm telling you, unless you are prepared... Unless you are positioned, you won't see what God wants to do. You will only be the recipient of what God wants to do. There's another dimension that is way higher than just being the recipient of what God wants to do. It's the dimension of releasing what God has for them. Who wants to be that person tonight? Do you want to be that kind of a person? You may not do it nationally, you may not even do it regionally, but in your world you can be that prophet to those dry bones. In that location you can be God's vehicle of love and of power and of light and of glory. And so for some it will be to ten, to some it will be a hundred, to some it will be a thousand. But God needs a person that He can put His hand upon that can show them by the Spirit what needs to take place. He brought me out in the Spirit. Just like John on the island of Patmos. There he was on the Lord's Day in the Spirit. When you are in the Spirit, you are walking in love. You are walking in faith. You are walking in the Word. You are walking in unison with God. You are positioned. You are prepared. You are ready. He can't give the life that is in neutrality this kind of responsibility. 
He's going to give it to the person who is in faith, who is in the Spirit, who is in love. He's not walking in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in pain, in hurt, with walls and barriers around their lives to the people or to God. This is a man that is positioned and ready. Would you be positioned and ready tonight for God to use? If you're not positioned and ready, then you need a reset so that you can release the reset. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. When you're in the spirit, you will see what God wants to do. When you're in the spirit, you'll hear the voice of God with clarity and know what to say. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And the prophet answered and said, O Lord God, you know. In other words, the prophet was saying to, uh, to God, this you can do. But God was saying to the prophet, but for me to do it, I need you to do it. And we need a people that will get position before God. To not only see what God wants to do and hear His word, but be willing to step out and do it. So I answered, O Lord, you know, and again He said to me, prophesy to these bones. You see, there's got to be someone, how will they hear without a preacher? How will the bones live without a prophet that will say, Bones, hear the word of the Lord. There's got to be someone that is positioned and ready before God, who has waited on God, whose heart is sensitive, healed, and surrendered to be the vehicle for a reset. A reset is not just for you, but I believe it's for you, through you, to someone else. The end of this story in Ezekiel 37, as the prophet prophesied in obedience to the word of the Lord, the Spirit of God moved. Hallelujah. We need a move of God, but we need a people that will pray. We need a people that will prophesy. We need a people that will preach. We need a people that will stand in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation that is God-resistant and will stand unashamed of the gospel and declare to this valley of dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We need a people that are positioned that God's hand can touch you and empower you and raise you and release you so that the reset can come through you to someone else. Israel faced many times of reset. Another such occasion is found in Judges chapter 6, a story that is well known to most of us, and that is when uh, God called Gideon. Gideon was not positioned and ready. But somehow, in the economy of God's mercy and grace, God saw in this man, Gideon, a heart that he could use. Ezekiel was positioned and ready. Moses wasn't ready. Gideon wasn't ready. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. You are either ready or you need to be readied. That's not only for those here tonight, but also at home. 
you are either in one of these two places. You are either like Ezekiel, positioned and ready, or you like Gideon. You are a survivalist. You're a subsistent peasant farmer trying to survive a famine, an enemy attack on the land, on the harvest, on the crops, on the sheep, on the cattle. And all you want to do is see through another attack. The nation was impoverished. Why? Because of compromise. Because they didn't obey God. Because they became a law unto themselves. They did their own thing. They neglected the word of the Lord. Isn't our generation something like that? But the God of mercy for Israel, perhaps he will have mercy on the United States of America again. This nation was forged and formed by Christians who came here to escape persecution, to have freedom to worship and honor Jesus. And this nation was raised by the hand of God to prosper because it was in God we trust. It was a people united with a, a single statement, one nation under God. But now we've got to a place where they want to remove under God. They want to remove in God we trust. And we need a people again who would be positioned and ready that God can do a work of mercy and grace in the United States of America. I believe this is why we are still here. Because God wants to give this nation another opportunity. And I know we've got elections coming up very soon, but the truth is, and I've said it many times and I'll say it again, the issue is not with the White House, the issue is with God's house. There are enough Christians in this nation to have a nation of righteousness and a nation that is not governed by secular humanism and by social media and a culture that is uh, dominated with perversions. Now, I know that you cannot legislate morality. It is a state of heart that is found in the new creation. However, we are salt and light to this nation. But if we lose our saltiness, we have no value. And if our light doesn't shine, we have no value. But in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, I need to remind you that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And just like their sin is getting darker and darker and more violent and more arrogant and more godless, that means that we are positioned for greater grace. And that excites me. Because where there are these Uh, uh, extreme perversions, the God of infinite, immeasurable mercy and love is moving in His people. And just like God saved Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, there's got to be a people that have not yet bowed their knee and compromised who will become part of the solution and not part of the problem. Gideon was not positioned He was not a warrior. He was a peasant. we got two kinds of people in the church today. we got peasants who are subsistence survivalists, and we got warriors. 
We need to raise up an army of mighty men and women of God with a warrior spirit who will fight the good fight of faith. Like that old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching On to War. We need a people that have a militancy of faith. I'm not talking against flesh and blood, but against principality and power and spiritual wickedness in high places that will resist the devil and will cause him to flee, that will break the chains of hell and death over cities, over regions, over this nation. If James writes about uh, the, the prophet Elijah that prayed, and when he prayed, the, the Bible says that God heard and God answered and God did what the prophet prayed. If it did not rain, it was because someone was praying. And if it rained, it was because someone was praying. I believe we can have a mighty move of God again in this nation, but it will take a people that have been reset to God's priority, who will have God's heartbeat of mercy and love for this nation that will intercede for it again. Will you be that person? Gideon was a survivalist. If you're a survivalist tonight, God wants to awaken the warrior spirit in you. Caleb the, the ten spies, they were peasants. They were, sub, they were subsistent farmers. All they wanted was a parcel of land. But Caleb was different. He wanted a mountain with a battle. We need Caleb-spirited people today. People who want to take on the giants of this generation, who want to take on the fortified cities of this generation, who will make a stand for the name of the living God, and His name is Jesus. Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty man of God. He was just hoping to survive and be able to eat a couple of meals out of that which he was able to save from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord came to him when he is in the winepress. And the angel of the Lord said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon was certainly not a mighty man of valor, but in God's eyes he was. And so he needed a reset from being a coward and a survivalist a peasant to a warrior. And only God can do that for you. Maybe my voice tonight will awake the warrior spirit in you. I pray it does. I pray it will raise you from just being a spectator to a part of the army of God. I pray that the sound of my voice will be like the sound of the angel of the Lord that greeted the man in the winepress who is trying to survive and awakens destiny in him. Perhaps my voice tonight will awaken the destiny and the dream of God that is deep inside of you that you will arise and you will shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Lord is with you, you mighty men and women of valor. God wants you to have a reset from a survivalist to a warrior. Hallelujah. Gideon again wanted to shift the responsibility and the blame on God, just like Ezekiel, O oh Lord, you know. And, the, and Gideon said, 
oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why are all these things happening to us? In other words, God, you can stop this at any point in time. But yes, Leon's expanded unpublished translation. If this is going to stop, if the nation is going to get the upper hand again according to the destiny where I said, you'll be the head and not the tail, you'll be above and not beneath. If you do, walk back into your destiny. I need a mighty man of valor. And instead of being a survivalist, I need you to arise to your destiny, to your core. And so we've got three dimensions. We've got the, the big picture. We've got the individuals. And then we've got those individuals that will be a part of the solution. I want you to be a part of the solution. I want you to have a reset that will not just reset you, but will release the reset through you to this nation and to the church of this nation. Gideon was raised by God, and he became a part of the solution. But in order to do that, down in verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock, in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. This is very important. In order for us to achieve what God wants to do, there's going to have to be some pulling down of some altars that are to foreign gods, that are not just in the world, but they're in the church. It's like we've got to kick over some sacred cows. And just like Israel built with the help of Aaron, the brother of Moses, the high priest built a golden calf. We need people that today will become the vehicle that will challenge those idols and bring them down in this generation. But not only bring them down, but build the altar of God, of worship. Notice that he didn't just have to break down the idol, but he had to build the altar of worship and devotion to God, which is a heart attitude. It's not just a, an altar of stone, but it's a, the altar of our hearts, the altar of our homes, the altar of our life, and the altar of the church, that God has his rightful place back in our lives and back in the church. That it's not just business as usual, but it's business God's way. That we don't just do the right thing, but we do the God thing. We find the will of God and we pursue it. And then you know the rest of the story. Gideon was raised up with 300 men and conquered the enemies and brought great deliverance to the nation. We don't need a lot of people to get this done. We just need someone that will position themselves before God in obedience and tear down the old and rebuild the altar of worship to God. And will get their hearts towards God to release the
the reset. Nehemiah did the same for the city of Jerusalem. He reset the nation that was devoured, destroyed. People were despondent, but he made himself available to God. God never came to Nehemiah and called him. Nehemiah called himself to God, positioned himself before God and said, I, I'm willing, if you will work a miracle for me, I will go and rebuild the city. And God worked a miracle for him and rebuilt the city. So if God doesn't come to you, you can go to God and say, God, here I am. Use me. I'll be your vehicle to rebuild what has been destroyed. I will take my nation back. I will rebuild the church. I will advance the cause of the gospel. If God hasn't specifically called you, you can call you. Because you're already called. But you need to position yourself with a, with a willing heart. You don't always need to hear the voice of God to step out and do the right thing. All you have to do is see the state Ask some posing questions and see what needs to be done. And then like the prophets say, Here am I, God. Send me. Use me. Make a way. Touch me and I'll become your vehicle. And Nehemiah did in days what couldn't be done in years. When there was famine in the land, Isaac went and dug the wells that had been stopped up by the Philistines. He brought a reset to the nation, the impoverished, famished nation. And out of that, he flourished. And yes, the thing is, I believe if the church will rise to the occasion and, and carry this word and pray for our nation, that we will flourish, that we will access the wells that have been stopped up. Isaac dug the wells of Abraham, his father. We have some wells that we need to reset so that there can be a flow. But notice if you, if you have the time to read Genesis, um, I believe it's chapter 26, uh, Genesis 26, you'll notice that every well that they redug, there was a battle that went on around that well. It's not always going to go easy and well. <laughs> to dig a well, you may well find a battle take place for your well. And there are other wells to be redug, even if it doesn't seem to be an instant breakthrough. Keep digging and redigging the wells that have been stopped up. Eventually, you will get an unlimited artesian flow that will bring relief and prosperity back to the church of God. But we need people like Isaac that will dig the wells of faith. Abraham is the father of faith, the father of righteousness as it were. And Isaac, joy and laughter, dug the well that had been stopped up by the Philistines, by the enemy. And so we can redig with joy. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. We can redig the wells of faith and bring healing and restoration back to this nation and back to the church. We need a reset, but we need Isaacs, people with joy. This is not a burden. This is not some heavy weight that's upon us. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's a great honor to be a vehicle for God to use.
My time has come to an end. But great prosperity came to Isaac because they dug a well. And uh, I believe that we need a reset that will take us back to the Great Commission, to disciple-making, back to the heart of God for reaching the lost, a strong emphasis on evangelism, a strong emphasis on prayer, restored prayer, a strong restoration of being mobilized into your gift, into your ministry, and I know you've got that now on Sunday morning in your growth track where you discover your gifting and calling. You need to be equipped for the work of the ministry because you are given gifts and abilities by God that need to be accessed. Without your gift, we are weaker. We need a reset that will take you from being a spectator to a participant where you supply through prayer, through service, your gift to the body of Christ. And when every joint supplies and every part does its share, it causes growth within the body, numeric growth as well as maturity growth. And we will advance if you will arise to the call of God. Lastly, we need a reset that will take us just from living out of our head to living out of the Spirit. You shall receive power when that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We need an anointed people. The church was birthed in power. Jesus commanded them to stay in Jerusalem. Now we have programs, we have technologies, and I thank God for programs. I thank God for technologies. I thank God for buildings. But we don't just build on technology programs and buildings. We need to grow on the power of God. The authentic apostolic church of the book of Acts is going to be the authentic apostolic church of the last days before the return of Jesus. And the works that He did, we shall do also. But we're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to have to be stay. We have to stay in the Spirit. We're going to have to learn how to operate in the gifts and the dimensions of the Spirit. We need a reset to become spiritual. If you've somehow lost your anointing and you, you no longer desire spiritual gifts, you need a reset. If you've lost your vision, you need a reset. If you've lost your passion for souls, you need a reset. If you're not discipling or uh, mentoring anyone, you need a reset to get back to the Great Commission, making it your personal mission as well as our corporate mission. These are all resets that God wants to bring, to bring the church back to the blueprint, to the call uh, that He placed upon us. And so I want to close with challenging you. If you're a peasant, become a warrior. If you are idle and lazy, be awakened and start to position yourself before God and stir yourself in your most holy faith. Start to press in to the things of the Spirit again. Begin to make them your priority. Your lukewarm state is unpalatable to God. He will vomit you out of His mouth. If you've lost your first love, you need to get back to your first love. You need to stir yourself and be reset in first love. If you lukewarm, you need to be reset to fiery hot. You need to have the fire of God burning in the altar of your heart. If idols have been placed and an idol is anything that dominates your time, your money, your effort, your energy, that idol has to come down and you need to build an altar of worship to God.
I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to hand over to Pastor Rob, who's going to give instructions before we pray for you corporately. But would you stand with me to pray? And even at home right now, get out of your couch, your comfortable chair, get off your bed, and stand with us if you would. Let's stand on holy ground with angels all around. The presence of Him who rides the heavens is in this place. God who is the God of the church. God who is the Savior of your soul. God who is the head of the church. The one who has rescued you and saved you and redeemed you. He is here tonight by His Spirit. Honor Him in your home and in this place. And invite Him to come again and do a reset in you. If you've lost your first love, if you've lost your passion, if you've lost your desire to reach souls, if you've lost your but desire to pray and to intercede for the church and for the nation. Ask God for a reset right now. If you are a coward in the wine press, a survivalist, and you want to be awakened as a warrior, ask God to reset you from being a subsistent survivalist farmer to becoming a warrior, that you can become a mighty man or a mighty woman of, of war that would wage the good fight of faith against principalities and powers and see them come down. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. If one will put a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. We need more than one to make the stand tonight. We need to push back darkness in the city, in this region, in this nation. And we need to take this nation back for God. It's not going to be fought in the polling stations. It's going to be fought on our knees and in the church as we pray and as we prophesy and bring this nation back to God. Can someone say amen? amen. Lord God, would you please touch your people tonight and do a reset for them personally, corporately and for those that are positioned and ready and hungry and fiery and burning God would you please use them to be your prophetic voice to the valley of dry bones of the church and of the nation to bring about a great revival and a restoration that that which is dead would be raised up and become alive and vital and strong and powerful like a mighty army I pray it in Jesus name Amen If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.